everybody, what's up? It's Sean Liu coming at you with my first episode. Man, I am excited. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, if you guys want to check me out, stix127 at hotmail.com, Lewis at gmail or yahoo.com, Lyle Lucky Lewis on Facebook. Check me out or check out my other uh, my my other podcast, Reverend Lyle Lewis uh, podcast. Do a lot of preaching, a lot of motivational speaking, things like that, you know. But without further ado, let's jump into this episode. All right, all right. Episode one, chapter one. I don't know. We'll work on that part later. Okay, divided kingdom. The doors open to a gigantic room as a young man enters wearing a blue vest that drops down to his feet. He's accompanied by another fellow wearing the same garment. My lord, are you sure you wish to try this? Are you sure that you want to go through with this deed altogether? Isn't there another way to figure this out? Does it have to end like this? Knox, please, replied the one referred to as your highness. You worry more than my mother did when she was alive. And I should, replied Knox. Your mother charged me with the task of watching out for your well-being before she passed. And your father would feed me to the bull sharks if I did anything less. Knox, you worry too much. Besides, my father wouldn't feed you to the bull sharks. That wouldn't be painful enough. Knox tensed up, clenching tighter to the box that he had been carrying. Suddenly... At the other end of the room, another set of doors swung open. It was another young man wearing the same type of garment, only in red. Are you ready, brother? said the young man, with an assistant following behind him carrying a long box as well. Even though this shan't take long, I will enjoy it while it lasts. Arthur smirks. Why are you in such a rush, Aramis? Arthur asks... As the other young man calmly, as the, uh, as the other young man calmly and nonchalantly, in a hurry to lose, are we? Well, don't come crying for a rematch when you do. Ha! cried, replied Aramis, proudly. Me, lose to my younger brother. Ridiculous! You're too soft to beat me. Soft! Arthur replied loudly. Is that how you feel? He asked. I can't help but tell the truth, brother. But don't worry. Father will still be able to recognize you when I'm done. Your speech is confident, replied Arthur. But can you prove true what you say? I guess we shall find out. Shall we? Arthur gave a confident smirk. Yes, we shall. Both men, turn, both young men turned to their assistants, who took off the vest for them. Sir, are you sure of this? asked Knox. Why do you doubt me and worry yourself, Knox? Because, replied Knox quickly, your brother is more uh, stronger, Arthur cut in. I was going to say physical, replied Knox. But since you said stronger, then yeah, uh, stronger. Uh, You're more the intellectual type. What are you trying to say, Knox? asked Arthur with a smile. I'm saying, if this was a game of chess or a battle of wits, we would have nothing to worry about. You're the brains of this outfit. He's the brawn. Plus, you know, he, he leans in 
to whisper, these new weapons we have, they, they haven't been tested. So, replied Arthur, so, Knox realized how loudly he was saying it, looking around as he linked in the whisper, so, your brother is using your father's sword that he has been training with for two years. He'll cut you in pieces, and then, and then I'll be fed to the bull sharks. Arthur interrupted. And you'll be fed to the Leviathan. Knox clenched the box even tighter. Shall we proceed? As Arthur. Knox sighed. And opened the box. Which had two glowing blobs. Arthur plunged both fists into each blob. And they climbed up his wrist. Forming gauntlets around them. Aramis' assistant opened the box. That he was holding which revealed a golden sword on the hilt where the blade and the handle meet there was an enchanted glowing orb Aramis reached down and picked it up from his assistant <sighs> my father's sword he said with great pride he looked at his assistant you may go the assistant closed the box bowed humbly and backed out of the room wish me luck Arthur said, requested Arthur. You'll need it, replied Knox. Arthur looked at him sharply, and Knox bowed and backed out of the room. Aramis turned around, swinging the sword in a battle-ready type matter. Ready. Arthur turned around, crossed both arms to his chest, and swung them out at both sides, which were both glowing with a blue light. Ready. Both brothers looked on for a moment, sizing each other up. Aramis with a look of intensity while Arthur has a slight grin on his face. Aramis takes off towards Arthur and Arthur follows towards his brother. Aramis swings the sword at his brother but Arthur slides under the attack. Quickly resort, quickly responding with a sweep of the legs which Aramis flips out of the way of. Aramis lands and proceeds to attack. Arthur easily ducks, dodges, flips, and rolls out of the way of each attack. Suddenly, Aramis kicks Arthur, catching him off guard, Ooh! knocking him back, then jumps into the air, swinging down with an attack. Arthur blocks the attack, crossing both arms and two blades formed in front of each, formed in front of him, one coming from each arm. He crosses his blades to block the attack, pulling both blades apart. He pushes Aramis back and starts running towards him with both blades extended out at his side. Aramis lands and slides back briefly and regains his foot, charging back at Arthur. Aramis lunges his blade towards Arthur's abdomen, but Arthur blocks Aramis's attack across with one blade and with the other blade spins around trying to hit him. He misses but catches him with the elbow. Aramis, with his, he hits Aramis with the elbow. Arthur, Pulls back the left blade, thrusts it back at Aramis. Aramis stumbles back slightly, dazed from the blow, but regains his bearings just in time to block the blade that was thrusted at him. As the battle ensues between the two brothers, a mysterious figure looks on from behind the pillars of the training facility. The figure watches on as both brothers heavily engaged in the battle, dealing blow after blow, block after block, counter after counter. Suddenly, the earth started to shake. Both brothers stopped instantly and started to look around. Brother, what, what is this? 
asked Arthur in a concerned tone. I don't know. Let us postpone the battle and send to our father and the kingdom, Arthur says. Oh no, says Aramis. Your trickery will not get you out of this battle. I shall have the kingdom and Myrmidora. Brother, your lust for victory clouds your judgment. Please, our kingdom needs our help. If you drop your guard, I will take you down. Then I forfeit, says Arthur, as he retracts the blades back into his arm. You would give up everything we have wanted and coveted all our lives. I would rather forfeit everything for the well-being of the kingdom than risk the entire destruction of everything for the sake of a selfish victory. And what of Myrmidora? Will you give her up too? If it means her safety, then yes, Arthur replied without hesitation and started to run off when suddenly, out of nowhere, a boulder fell on top of him, knocking him out. Brother! Aramis shouts as he runs to help Arthur. But then the ground started to split beneath him. Stopping, he gained his footing, flipping out of the way of, uh, flipping out of harm's way, only to be hit with falling debris and rendered unconscious. When he hit the ground, the ground started to crack. Aramis is unconscious and pinned under a boulder as water started to rise around him. The shadowy figure quickly leaped into action to save Aramis, holding out both hands with her eyes glowing. The boulders got lifted and removed and Aramis got pulled to safety. The mysterious person makes sure that Aramis is breathing and all right. When suddenly they looked over and seen Arthur was just about to be crushed by a pillar, reaching out just in the nick of time, stopping the boulder with telepathic powers. They stopped it from crushing him and moved it just out of the way far enough for it not to harm Arthur. The person ran over to him, took the hood off as they nailed down. It was a young lady by the name of Myrmidora. She propped Arthur up into her arms and onto her lap. Arthur, Arthur, she said loudly, but gently. Not sure if he was dead, he was lying in a puddle of his own blood coming out from the back of his head from where he had been struck. Please wake up, please, she started to cry. Wake up, please, she said weakly. Just as Myrmidora started crying and pulled him close, Aramis started to wake up. The more he came to and to get everything into focus, the more he started to get to his feet. Still with the training facility, training facility crumbling around him and shaking, he became fully aware of what was going on and he remembered his brother was in need of help. He turned around frantically as if he lost him, only to find Myrmidora over crying over Arthur. He took a step towards his brother and Myrmidora, but stopped. As he looked on at his brother and Myrmidora, a look of his concern turned to a look of hatred as he shed a tear and turned away in anger. Myrmidora looked up just as Aramis started to walk up, walk out. Aramis, Aramis, please! She started, she shouted, reaching out for him, but he just kept walking as he picked up his sword along the way. Her cries went unheard as the cracking stone and falling debris muffled her cries. Suddenly, <laughs> Arthur jerked violently and started coughing and gasping for air. Arthur, Arthur, you're okay. I'm here. 
I'm here, she said frantically, trying to get him to his feet. Come, come, we must leave, she said as she helped him to his feet. And they went in the opposite direction of Aramis, out of the training facility. Aramis was exiting the training facility, and he had left completely at this time. Sawyer, we must get you out of the castle. Where is your brother? Aramis paused for a moment. He's dead. The soldier stopped for a second. Oh, oh right then. Oh, stunned, the, the guard didn't know what else to say. The building collapsed on him. Aramis said in an unmournful, unremorseful tone. Right. Oh. Aramis cut in. Now I must find my father that he doesn't befall the same fate. He was taken to the Great Hall. Its fortified structure is safest under these conditions. Please, Your Highness, let me accompany you in finding him, that I may help ensure your safety. No. Make sure the people get out. I will be fine. Go. Yes, Your Highness, the soldier said as he saluted and ran off. Aramis calmly looked around amidst all the chaos, seeing people running and screaming and calling out for others. Soldiers of the kingdom making sure that everyone is headed out of the kingdom, some carrying supplies, others carrying injured adults and children, some even carrying other injured soldiers. Showing no concern, Aramis made his way to the Great Hall, thinking to himself, she chose him. That weakling over me. I'm the strongest, Aramis thought, while moving through the panic crowd as if he were the only one in this world. He cared for nothing but getting to the Great Hall. Fine. If that spoiled whore wants that crab, then she can have him. But I will have the crown. Aramis approached the enormous doors that led to the Great Hall and pushed them both open. Father, tis I, Aramis. Are you well? Oh, yes. My son, I am. I am well. Is there any news of your brother? Asked the king, who looked on with a hopeful yet distressed look. Feeling a disturbing amount of joy, Aramis replied, uh, We were training at the time when all this started, and we tried to escape but he was crushed by a falling pillar in the attempt to save my life. The little hope that was in the king's eyes had faded away. My son, he said, slumping down to his knees, then sitting down completely. What shall I do without my child? Feeling even more enraged at the statement and letting jealousy take him over, Aramis replied, And what of me, father? Am I not your son also that I should be disregarded? Looking dazed and confused, the king looked at Aramis. Yes. You are still. Help me up, my son. Aramis quickly grabbed his father's hand and helped him back to his feet. The king looked at Aramis and touched his face with his right hand. 
my son, my heir. Yes, father. Let us honor your brother's memory by helping the subjects of the kingdom. It is what your brother would have wanted. The solace that our Aramis found in his father's touch quickly left as anger, disgust, and jealousy quickly entered his heart. Blocking out any of his father's instructions, he started breathing heavily. Let us save our kingdom! With a sense of extreme pain from his chest and confusion, the king started gasping for air. Hands quivering, looking up to the ceiling, he fell to his knees. My, my chest! The pain! He went to grab his chest, thinking his heart was failing. But as he went to grab his chest, he felt an unfamiliar irregularity. Looking down, he was in even more unbelief and shock when he found it was his son's blade. The sword that he gave his son. My son, the king said with tears in his eyes. Why? He asked as Aramis walked in front of him. Isn't it obvious, father? Well, let me keep it simple. He took off King Plato's crown and put the crown on his own head. Long live the king. Then in a cold final act, Aramis kicked his father in the face, causing him to fall backwards, making the blade enter into his back and out of his chest the rest of the way, causing his father to finish dying instantly. Feeling rather proud that he is now the self-proclaimed king, Aramis took a deep breath when suddenly the doors to the great hall were being opened again. Father, are you well? Tis I, Arthur. Before he could be seen, Aramis ducked behind the centerpiece in the great hall as not to be seen by Arthur. Father, I hope you do not mind. I have also brought Princess Medora, Marmadora for stopping instantly, looking on with unbelief. He sees his father laid over with the blade still in his heart. Holding up a hand to, princess, to the princess to stop her from coming any further, he walked over and kneeled down to his father. The princess approached slowly, seeing Arthur bowed down over his father. Seeing a pool of blood, she stopped in unbelief. No, she said softly. I'm afraid, yes said a voice from behind. Mermidora turned around and started and turned around startled. Arthur was not in the least bit surprised. How could you do this? He was your father. Mermidora asked, horrified as she started backing up the closer Aramis approach. Let us not ask how, but why. See, I already lost you. I wasn't going to risk losing the crown also. Then, holding his hand out, but, my love, it isn't too late. You can still join me in my new kingdom. And brother, 
I'm sure I can find a place for you somewhere as the court jester or stable boy. You murderous eel! Arthur said as he turned around. Father would have given you the kingdom if you asked. This was a pointless bloodshed. But his blood shall be avenged. As Arthur was saying this, the blood of his father was streaming down both of his arms and the gauntlets that were on them. And while Arthur was wearing the gauntlets, the light blue color of the energy strips that wrapped around his arms turned to crimson red. Aramis replied in a cocky manner, Brother, don't make me kill you two. You and I both know that in a real fight, you are no match for me. Then I shall die killing you! Ah! Aramis rolls into Arthur's attack as Arthur takes the blade out of his father's chest with no regard for his father's lifeless body. Arthur quickly turns and throws what seem to be red shards of ice at his brother. Aramis blocks him with his blade. Arthur reaches out as the streak of crimson left his hand, locking onto Aramis' foot. Arthur pulls the streak of crimson red power, pulling it to his brother completely off of his feet, dragging him towards him. It will take more than simple parlor tricks to defeat me, brother, Aramis said as he throws the blade toward Arthur breaking his concentration as he dodged the blade as not to be hit. Arthur runs at Aramis, but just as he takes off, Aramis' blade comes back, tripping Arthur from behind, taking his feet out underneath him. Aramis retrieved the blade in boomerang-like fashion as both brothers jumped to their feet, pausing for one second, studying each other for some weakness to give them the upper hand. Aramis finds his opening and takes advantage. Raising his blade as high as he can, he flips the blade upside down, and with the blade towards the ground, die! And he stabbed the blade into the ground, and it started cracking towards Myrmidor, who was now away, tending to the king. Aramis twisted the blade and pried the ground apart as it started to crack. Myrmidor and her father who cracked towards Myrmidora. It reached her, and the ground split open, causing the ground to give way beneath her and the king. Myrmidora! Arthur shouted, jumping in after her with no hesitation. The pit opened to reveal the core of the earth, hot, molten lava and magma, swirling and swallowing all the chunks of rock and boulder that fell. Arthur, please! Myrmidora screamed in horror and desperation. Arthur could feel the temperature rising the closer he got to the earth's core. Reaching out with the little distance that he had away from her, he reached out and shot out a shard of crimson. The crimson left Arthur's hand, wrapping itself around the princess. Arthur made claws with the other hand and dug them into the wall. And then suddenly the opening gradually, of the opening gradually bringing them both to a halt. Arthur pulled his armor with all his might, causing the beam of energy to stretch like a rubber band as he held on, as she, as the princess, held on to the king. But once the beam started to retract, she lost her grip of the king. No, 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 she said as she reached out, trying to re-grab him, but her efforts were useless. She watched the king fall into the molten core of the earth. Before she could realize that she was in Arthur's arms, 
and he was jumping out of the large crevasse and back to safe ground. We have to leave this place. Come, or this place will be our tomb as well. Still somewhat in shock of everything that happened, she regained the sense of what was happening around her. Let's go, Arthur screamed as he pulled her towards the nearest exit, with Aramis now nowhere to be found. All right, guys, that was the intro to my book. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, you know, please forgive me for the couple of stutters and whatnot. This is my first time doing this kind of thing. You know, I'm I'm very excited in doing it, and you know, I'm just uh, uh, still getting used to the whole thing. Still working out a couple of kinks. Uh, as time goes on, I'll be adding sound effects, and you know, uh, maybe I'll have somebody else here doing voices with me. Cause as you can hear, I I you know my 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 female voice is not necessarily all that uh fantastic but uh you know um you know i do what i can with what i got so like i said i hope you guys enjoyed uh, the first episode of my comics novel um yeah uh like i said this is just the intro to my book by all means if you guys uh want to uh give me any feedback on it i'd love to hear it um, you know, I'm always up for some constructive criticism. Uh, by all means, hit me up, uh, Elrashawn Lewis at uh, yahoo.com, Elrashawn Lewis on facebook.com, uh, not facebook.com, Elrashawn Lewis at gmail.com, Lie L. Lucky Lewis on facebook.com, stix127 at hotmail.com. That has to be in all caps. Um, like I said, pretty soon I'll be doing some stuff on my uh, my YouTube page, uh, my uh, Two Black Eyes YouTube page. Um, I, on one hand, it'll be fitness. I'll have I'll have all kinds of content on there. Fitness. It'll be more of my video. It'll be the podcast will be converted into video podcast where I'll still be on Anchor. But while I'm doing my Anchor podcast, I'll be doing a podcast on YouTube. Sometimes, you know, you never know. I may even go and do it live. So just continue to stay tuned. Continue to follow me. I appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Love you guys. I'll check you later. Bye.